Welcome to our Portuguese Table Podcast. I'm Maria Lott, and these are in Green Bean. And I'm Angela Samoz, and we're just two chicks dishing about Portuguese food, culture, and what it means to be Portuguese. So grab a glass of vinho or um copo de café and join us as we talk about our favorite foods, reminisce about growing up Portuguese, and interview some of our community's most successful chefs and food writers. So, so sit, sit down, down at, at our Portuguese, Portuguese table. table. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our Portuguese table. And Hi, everybody. Hi. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, hello, welcome to everybody to the table. And I'm not letting anybody else say hello, welcome. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm really excited. We have a real special guest today. And that's Margaret Pereira. Hi, Margaret. Hi, Maria. How are you? I'm fine, honey. Now, for those of you out there listening, um, Margaret has a couple of Facebook pages. She's a blogger and a decorator and a cook and a mom and a wife. I mean, you just keep adding that on to your list of things that you do. But she has a page called Margaret's Portuguese Table. Okay. Oh, kitchen. I'm sorry. It's all about the table. You know, <laughs> we've got our table. You've got there the kitchen. There are tables in the kitchen, right? There are ta- exactly. <laughs> there are tables in the kitchen. So we're all okay. But I know. Um, hi, Angela. How are you, honey? Good. How are you, Maria? Hi, Margaret. Um, nice to meet you. Hi. Nice to meet you. So we, I just wanted to introduce you to everyone out there, Margaret. And hopefully people will get to um, get to know you and get to go on your page. But you're up in Canada, aren't you? I am. I am. I'm in Mississauga. Ah, it's a beautiful little area. I was there last year. Yes, I was there we last met. year, and we met. And we met. Uh, and I met you, and I met your daughter, mm-hmm. um, which was she was very sweet. And I can see is now your daughter's doing videos now of you and her cooking together. Uh, that's the younger one. You didn't. Oh. I don't think you met her. Oh, okay. I <laughs> thought it was her wow. doing it. Yeah, How I know. How old is she, hon? Your youngest one. That's the youngest one's that. sixteen. Wow. So she's the I, one that made the video of the palmiers. Yes, she is. She's she, she's trying to start out. Yeah. Look but at that's, her. That's awesome. At, I'm impressed. Good going. Good. They look delicious. Yeah. So with all the things that we've been talking about, and especially with our Portuguese table, is just talking about our experiences uh, being Portuguese no matter where we live. And so just a little, if you want to introduce yourself to everyone and say hello, even though I've been trying, I think I've done most of it already. (laughs) So um, here you go, Margaret. Just introduce yourself to everyone, sweetie. Okay, well, um, I'm Margaret Varela Pereira, actually, and I um, came to Canada in 71, so uh, quite a long time ago. Um, I was eight, so just a little bit older than you, Maria, when you went uh, to the States. Right. I came from uh, Qashqais, which is very near Lisbon. Nice. And I immigrated here with my parents and my younger brother. Yeah. And uh, basically... I always hanged around the Portuguese community. It wasn't, it was, you know, in Toronto, huge, huge Portuguese community. So it, it is. Very, it is. very easy for us. 
the one thing I loved when um when I was in Toronto, the little Portugal, the little mm-hmm. sections, because Toronto is sectioned off into little areas, yeah. and to see little Portugal, and I did, I felt very much at home. And uh, I'll have to say this right off the bat, I think the people of Toronto were the nicest, sweetest people I have met. I, I and I'm saying well, this with all you. my heart. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm saying this with all my heart because I've I've gone to different you know areas and stuff yeah. and and just meeting everyone. Everyone was always very interested in making sure that I you know um, and no matter where I went, whether the restaurants or the cafe shops or this and that, the people there they were all so very sweet, mm-hmm. very sweet. Yeah, we have a great community here. Yeah, they really are. Now you said. You were eight years old when you came over. So yeah. how was that experience for you when you, uh, when your family immigrated to Canada? Was it always to Toronto or did you start was, somewhere else? It was in Toronto. That's where we moved because my mother had her brother there and he sponsored us. Yeah. So very similar to your experience. That was when Salazar was in Portugal and my father, yes. you know, was very politically active and we had to, to come get away from Portugal. <laughs> get the heck out of there. Get the heck out of there. And so we moved to Canada, and uh, again, my father's family was all back in Portugal, and they still are. There's no, only, only my mom's family is here. So we always went back, at least every two years. When I was a kid, we'd go back. Yeah, that's great. Uh, on vacation, yeah. And I continued to do that. My brother really assimilated and became a lot more Canadian. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I always had Portuguese friends. I took Portuguese in high school. I took Portuguese in university. Um, wow. Yeah, I, when I was working in the community, it was most all of my jobs I worked with Portuguese community. So it's so it's it's in you. I mean, you can't help it. No. It is who you are. So it, and that's that's a beautiful thing. And at home, where you uh, also spoke just Portuguese, like I did growing up, or yes. And then yeah. I married my husband, who didn't speak English very much English when I met him. <laughs> so my first child uh when she went to school she only spoke portuguese really went to kindergarten she only spoke portuguese now the other two of course already spoke english because then she was speaking english and you know and now speaks both languages at home but yeah it was quite interesting that the first uh, my first daughter only spoke portuguese now of course because she was always immersed in it i mean how how beautiful is that it was babysitting you know my mom still only speaks portuguese and she's the one that, ba- that babysat her grandkids, like both mine and my brothers. So it was, yeah. yeah so Margaret, on your blog, you have the, you know, 50 random things about me. And I think my favorite one is how you shared a room with your grandmother at one point and how yeah. well, all half, my, uh, yeah. half the wall, one half of the wall had <laughs> pictures of Donny Osmond and then the other <laughs> half had saints. Saints? I, you have to have a picture of that somewhere. I would love to see Oh, that. I wish I did. I don't, but I wish I did because that was... <laughs> That was the funniest thing. Because <laughs> uh, when I, we lived in Portugal, I always slept with my grandmother at her house. Always. That's and when we, ca- when we came to Canada, she followed us here six months later. And, and then we shared a room until I believe I was probably 13. And I used to give my mother a really, really hard time that I wanted my own <laughs> space. So she finally turned the dining room into a bedroom for me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She said she couldn't stand listening to my complaining anymore. <laughs> But I bet as a result, you have a, you had and or still have a, a pretty special relationship with your grandmother. I did. I did. She's passed away, but I did have a very special relationship with my grandmother. 
Now, you know, we have we have a few things that we we always ask everyone and I, I know this is early on into uh, us talking, but I mean the thing about describing your family table. Now we'll talk about having growing up and being with your mom and your grandmother. Now we're talking before you married. Mm-hmm. What what did, what was that table? What did that table look like? What was on that table? Oh, what was on that table? Oh, the same thing that's still on the table when I go to my mom's house. Um, <laughs> and that is <laughs> <laughs> food. What well, food was on that table? Yeah. Uh, well, my parents were originally from the Alentejo, so they ate a lot of, so the food has changed a little bit for me because I married, my husband's from the north, but uh, from the Alentejo, there was a lot of soup, there was a yep. lot of fish dishes, yep. um, yeah, there wasn't as much meat as people from the north eat. I found so, that after I got married, yeah. So what is your first food memory? You know what? My first food memory was from Portugal. Like I said, I used to live with my grandmothers, and she—we didn't have very much there. Like I didn't, we didn't have a fridge, TV until we came to Canada. Yep. So my first memory was bread with olive oil and sugar. Can you believe it? Ooh, really? We did not have butter, and she always had olive oil because my, you know, my uh, uncle lived with us. He was younger. He was unmarried, and he loved cod. Bacalhau com batatas was his main, like he was a very picky eater. Yes. And of course, she always had to have the olive oil. And that's what she would give me whenever I was Interesting. Hungry. Now, it's funny you say the, the bread with, I can see the bread and sugar because that's mm-hmm. something my grandmother would do. She would put the slice of, um, of leftover Vienna bread or pancazade or whatever, and she would put butter on it and she would sprinkle sugar on yeah, top of it. Sure. And that yeah. would be something that we'd have. But I never... Um, I never heard of it also with olive oil on top of that. Yeah. Well, we didn't. My mother would do it with the, sh- with the butter, but my grandmother, yeah. it was with the olive oil because she didn't have butter. Did you guys ever do cinnamon? Because my mom will do sugar and cinnamon on top of bread with butter. I do that here. But in Portugal, okay. no, we've never, I, I don't even remember ever having cinnamon. At, yeah. at my, not at my grandmother's house anyway. Yeah, it, it, same okay. thing here. It, it would be just sugar, not the cinnamon. Although when we do fetias doradas, that's a whole yes. different thing. Oh you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but just the bread with you know with sugar on it uh, with butter. Yeah, that's that's a wonderful memory. Now, um, since your husband is from up north, and wh- how different would that be for their cooking between the Alajano and um, and his region? Did you have to learn some of the dishes that he liked? Uh, yes. Actually, when I met my husband, when we got married, I didn't cook. Really? I, yeah, I baked. I have baked since I was a little kid. I used to oh. love baking. Okay. But the cooking, I left it up to my mother. So yep. when I met him, he cooked, and he taught me how to cook. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's awesome. And his mother. And whenever I went to Portugal, his mother, my sister-in-laws, I'd watch them and so I could learn how they did their, their dishes. So where is he from up north? He's from uh, near Barcelos. Oh, great. Okay. Barcelos yeah. is so cute. Yes. Up north is, is incredible. Vienna do Castelo is one of my yes. favorite, yes. favorite places. Beautiful. Now you say you still go back as often as you can? Yes. Well, now we have the three kids and they're so busy with school and university and everything. It's, it's not as easy to get out there. But when the kids were little, we used to go almost every couple of years as well. Yeah. Mm, nice. And so now at your table... Mm-hmm. What what is your favorite thing to make for your family? 
I think seafood rice is probably my favorite. Which hmm. rice, honey? Seafood rice. Oh, really? Yeah. I think that's, yeah, everybody's favorite. I mean, it's not the everyday one. The everyday that the kids love is the beef stew. Really? Kalangizada. Kalangizada. My kids love that. They love dipping their bread when they come home from from school, like from university, and they've been away. They're like, Mom, please make us some. <laughs> isn't that funny? Now, see, comfort food. I, yeah. Isn't yeah, yeah? That sounds awesome right now. Now I can think I could make some karangizada right now. <laughs> <laughs> now, with Margaret's Portuguese Kitchen, how did that all come about? And um, yeah, just let us know how, how how did that all come about. Well, uh, like I was, I had mentioned, I was working for years. I worked with, um, as a social worker with uh, families that had children with disabilities and they were all Portuguese and I just got burnt out at one point and decided to stay home with my, when my youngest went to, uh, kindergarten. Yeah. And then when she no longer needed me, I thought, you know, I need to do something for myself to have some fun. And I took up that, um, the decorating, the color consultation and, and redesign. Mm -hmm. And that was going really well, but Again, there was no contact with Portuguese. It was, you know, mostly Canadian. Uh, right. And so I thought, you know, let me, and I started doing a blog for that. It was called Moving Forward at the time. And then I thought, oh, you know, I cook every single day, every single day. And I cook Portuguese food almost, you know, 80% of the time. Like there's a few times yeah. I'll throw in a pasta, but most of the time it's Portuguese. And I thought, oh, why not just for fun? It was ba barely for fun. Yeah. Just to, to put it out there. Yeah. And you know what? And I think those are the, Angela, I think you'll agree, one of the most, um, if you do things for fun, I, I think that's where you enjoy it the most. And there's no pressure on, uh, and usually those are the things that succeed, is when you're doing it for fun. Yep. Do you agree? Yeah. I agree 100%. Now, do you create your own recipes or you just take on traditional ones that you have? I just basically take on traditional ones, yeah. That I have uh, that I that, that are in Portuguese, and I translate them into English as well. There's quite right. a bit of those. Now you said that when you first got married, that you baked really, but you didn't cook. But it yeah. looks like, or you have two daughters. You said three, three, three. Are, did they? Did you start to instill in them how to cook? I mean, it looks like the youngest one obviously is making oh, videos. Okay. So how how are they? Um, uh, they're really good. the 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 middle one uh, loves to cook and bake. The one that Maria met. Oh, mm -hmm. nice. To cook and, and bake. And, you know, she'll, she'll send me Snapchat, snapshots of her, of her uh, when she's, at, she's away right now at university. And she'll actually make called verde or some seafood dish and she'll, you know, with a glass of wine and she'll send me a picture. And it's basically. Wow. Like, so I, I love it. Her roommates must love her. Yeah, she, I'm really impressed because it's like usually if you're by yourself, you make yourself a sandwich, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And she, she does that. So she, yeah. And then the oldest, she doesn't like, she doesn't like to cook as much, but she's getting married. And, um, I gave her Maria's book and Maria was really sweet and wrote a, a really nice autograph for her and told her that she needed to start cooking. And she's <laughs> tried so many of your recipes, Maria, and, and she's, she's having a blast with it. She really oh, I'm so really glad. I'm so glad about that. Yeah. That's awesome. No, that's great. We talk. We talk. Uh, we've talked before in the past about uh, whether we learned it from our mothers or our grandmothers, or in, in your case, your your husband and his family. You know, learning 
little things easy on, like here's how you brown meat or here's how you uh, make a hashiu or here's how you do different things. And, mm -hmm. you know, you may not use it right away, but remembering all those things that uh, we were taught and I found that in college and, and even today with some friends whose parents didn't teach them how to do that, it's like – Hey, where did you learn all to do that? And I said, well, you know, my mom taught me. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry if your mom <laughs> through osmosis. You. Yeah. So it's now, uh, important to pass those things down. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Margaret, when your parents came over, were they still as traditional and you know, made had their made their homemade wine or sausages, yeah. cheese? I mean, did they continue all that? Uh, they did. With uh, they've never made sausages or cheese. Uh, okay. Yeah, they were never into that. But they did make the homemade wine. And my husband still makes homemade wine. Does he really? Yes, he does. Yes. I love that. I, I you know, oh, I wish, I, you know, at the time when my dad would make it and he would have it, you know, I could see in the fall, you know, we'd get all of these crates and crates of grapes yeah. that were delivered from California over to, um, to us. And it was you know, all the process of, you know, all his, all the men would be down in the basement you know, doing it and stuff. And, uh, and the women were really never allowed <laughs> in the basement. <laughs> so every time, you know, my grandmother would go downstairs to see how things were going, I'd kind of follow her along, like right behind her apron, like mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, try to get in there. But I wish that I knew or that I was taught how to do that because I, I would have loved to make some wine. It's in my family right now, no one makes their wine. Except for, yeah, and at this time, my brother-in-law, one of my brother-in-laws, um, like, got the press that was my dad's press. It went to him because who else was making it? And all of the, the supplies and the barrels and all of that stuff. So it's it's like, and now he's getting older and he doesn't have the ambition to do that either. So it's like it's dying out in my family for yeah. being homemade. So I know even though you have three daughters, Margaret... You got to teach one of them how to make wine. You got to do it. You got to do it. Yeah, I'll get my husband to do that. I mean, they help. They have helped. They, he doesn't keep them out. It's not like, yeah, my dad used to keep us out. <laughs> yes, and that it was true. I mean, because I wanted to be there, but you're a girl. Get upstairs with the women. You know, it's it wasn't that type of thing. But no, I... Uh, I was going to say something and now I'm like going over and over in my head. I want to go back and forth. Now, you're decorating... Mm -hmm. uh, that you do. Is it something you still do? Uh, no, I don't do that anymore. You uh, don't do that no. anymore. I just do the, I, I blog about it now. Like I do, I do yeah. mostly the DIY, the, the blogging. Oh, okay. Because let me tell you, you post the most beautiful pictures of your kitchen, which I know you, uh, last year or the year before you went through a renovating and you kind I of had everyone follow along with you on what was going on in the kitchen and it being redone and whoever did that for you, they did a beautiful they job. Did. And they're a young Portuguese company actually here in Toronto. Yay. Another Portuguese company. Another, what's, <laughs> what's the name? Company. What's uh, the name, Margaret? Oh, the name. Um, Oh gee, I can't remember. Oh. It'll, it'll come to you and we'll include it. In, when do you think of it later? We'll include the name and website in the show notes. Okay. Yes. Sure. Yeah, we'll do that. Because uh, we're all about promoting our Portuguese um, yeah. businesses and stuff. You know, but, one thing I noticed about your um, your blog post is that you have a lot of um, Portuguese dishes, but that are different colors. And 
I've noticed a lot more lately that whether it's Pottery, Pottery Barn or TJ Maxx, or I think yours is called Home Sense up there. We call yes. it Home Goods down here. That's um, right. There are so many more uh, made in Portugal dishes and figurines and things like that in stores that it's kind of nice because that sometimes helps me make a decision on which dish I'm going to buy um, if it's made in Portugal. Have you found, uh, you know, how, how are you seeing that in terms of um, with your own decor and what you blog about and do you find yourself including more of the made in Portugal items? I always get made in Portugal items. I'm like that was that's one of the things that I'm drawn to. Like if I go to HomeSense and I I always look, I always turn the plates around, I always yeah, love, love it. it around. Love <laughs> it. If they're made in Portugal, you know, if I can, I'm purchasing them. Yeah. Um, I always do that. I just love their dishes. I used to whenever I used to go to Portugal, I used to come back with suitcase full of dishes. <laughs> I mean, now we can get them here, right? So I don't need to do that. But That's a pretty heavy suitcase. You go to the fairs there and bring the big, you know, trays and and, and stuff. Yeah. From yeah. Portugal, yeah. But they have beautiful colors now, especially around <laughs> Easter time with the pastel with the pastel. No. Pastel colors. <laughs> I say pastel and I think of pastel donata. Yeah, yeah I'm <laughs> like, like, oh my I God, you're talking her. about a pastel donata here. <laughs> uh, but no, you're right. And I love the um, the gentleman, the cabbage, the cabbage design. And yes. every once in a while, you'll see the pink cabbage. Mm -hmm. I don't see it that often anymore, that design. And, and you're right. For us down here, it's uh, home goods, which I think is the equivalent of home sense for you, Margaret. Yes, it is. Uh, and you're right. I do. But it's funny. You're saying what you're saying right now is something that Angela and I have said before. It's like, OK, we we always gravitate to things that are made in Portugal. Yeah. I, I you know, I think it's just in our you know, we just don't bleed red. We we bleed red and green. And, you know, it it's like all of a sudden it's we are kind of drawn to those things, That's um, right. which is beautiful. And, it, and we should. I mean, we should. Because um, we're proud to be who we are. So where where has been maybe the most unexpected place you found a Portuguese dish or something Portuguese that you would have never thought that you'd have found something? Because I have an example that I would love to share, but I want to hear if you've had a, an experience. Unexpected place? Mm. No, I can't think of one. I can't because here it's pretty easy to find yeah. uh, oh, okay. uh, Portuguese items. Yeah, well, out in California, as I've told Maria, and she yes. has experienced firsthand, we're we're pretty limited in our our choices of where we can buy things. But um, we have so many Portuguese stores too, like in Toronto. Yeah. Yes, there yeah. is. Yeah, there's You're a lot lucky. of Portuguese stores. Well, my husband and I were uh, happened upon a antique fair in this, like a street fair, uh -huh. and yeah. called Pleasanton over here, just completely randomly. We didn't know it was happening, and we <clears throat> saw it going on. Oh, let's stop! And we just were walking up and down, and there was a table full of dolls and trinkets and other things. And all of a sudden, there's this ceramic Portuguese doll dressed as a lavradeira from the mm -hmm. menu. Yeah, and we both zeroed in on it, and and it was the only one. And, oh, my gosh, there's a Portuguese doll here, like, of all places. It was so unexpected. And it had the price tag on it was, like, $125. Wow. No, it wasn't. We, kind of, we looked at each other. We thought, 
Yeah, that's that's for the person who doesn't know any better. (laughs) (laughs) But it was kind of neat to see, you know, in the most random place, here's this Portuguese doll and it was priced at a premium. So someone thought that they were getting a very rare item, you know, and um, it was it was kind of cool. So did did you go to the person and tell them that it really wasn't worth that amount? Because if you go to Portugal and all that, (laughs) did you do that? No, I we oh, we, see, we looked I at would've. the price and we said, "Is that one hundred twenty-five or a dollar twenty-five?" And and they said, "No, one hundred twenty-five." And we went, "Oh, okay," and put it down and and just sort of oh, walked away. So oh, maybe see, they maybe they got the the hint. I don't know. <laughs> no, they didn't, Angela, because nope. you don't know. You've got to tell them out now. See, I love <laughs> I love estate sales. I love estate sales. I love auctions. I love yard sales. I love flea markets. I love all that stuff because um, even though we had, um, how can I explain it? it? Here where I am in the south coast of Massachusetts, uh, we used to have a lot more Portuguese stores than what we do now. Mm-hmm. I think when my when I was younger, my mom, there were so many Portuguese stores and it was the type of thing where you would buy something and you would buy it on credit and you would, they would give you a little, like almost like a, a little booklet and you would make your payments every week or whatever it was. I remember this hmm. and it would have all the home good stuff and it would have all your, um, oh my God, your, your laces, your even jewelry from Portugal. I mean, it would be everything. And those people who ran that store, they've become older, they've retired, and their children or their grandchildren or whatever, they don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. So little by little, we're losing that mm-hmm. here. And whereas when I was in Toronto, like um, Margaret was saying, there are so many of them. It was like, oh, my God, this is like... It, it was it was really wonderful. <laughs> it was really <laughs> wonderful to see all that. So now I'm in, and I love um, I love old stuff. I love things with character. I like things with history in it. I, I love that stuff, and I like certain dishes. And I think I think you heard this because you uh, you had this conversation, Angela, with my husband and I, and that is I love dishes, but I especially <laughs> love bowls. bowls. I don't know why I have this thing for dishes and bowls and I really love like the transfer wares. So if you have like pink transfer wear in plates and bowls, as well as the blue one. So I find like the neatest stuff sometimes when I do, especially estate sales and you've got someone's home who, you know, obviously they've, moved on and the family wants nothing to do with whatever is in the house and you literally go through someone's home and and for me I go straight to the kitchen I go (laughs) straight to their kitchen and sometimes you feel like you're intruding on someone's home because everything is still set up like it was like when they were there but now they've got price tickets or name a price on it kind of thing and I have found Portuguese items or things made in Portugal where they had no clue what it was and got it for hardly anything. Hmm. And one of my favorite ones was the salad bowl 
with the salad, um, the big, huge salad container with the small salad bowls of uh, the cabbage that I got, I think, for like seven bucks or something like that, which for the whole set, wow. which is like, oh, my God, I, yeah. I think I, I paid them grabbed it and ran because I was like, figured out yeah <laughs> just <laughs> giving away the deal of the century yes yes because they had no clue they had no clue it was like ah it looks like I don't know what and it's a bowls and whatever but I love bowls I, I go crazy for bowls those ca- that cabbage is so popular now like those mm-hmm. the, yes. the dishes and I remember as a kid I couldn't stand them <laughs> oh. No? Oh. I thought, oh, this is tacky. But now, you know, I I actually have a tea set that my aunt gave me. She lives yep. in Portugal, and she gave it to me for my inshval. Did you guys, Did you have an inshval, Maria? No, that's that's like a a dowry. Like, I would like say you, before you get married, yeah. yeah. Before you get married, when I, when I was a kid, every time I had a birthday or Christmas, the aunts would always give you, you know, uh, dishes or towels. Or so, of course, yes. by the time you get married, nothing matches, right? right. You years You're right. You're these, right. And she gave me this tea set that was of that cabbage pattern, and I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with this? And now. I love it, and I have it in my yeah. kitchen. And I was like, you know, thank God I did not throw it out. Yes, <laughs> I kept it. Yes, yeah. Because our, you know, our taste also really changes as we get older, right? Does yes, it, it does. I know my mom would. Um, she liked vases. There was um, a thing about her with vases, and I have a couple of her vases. And she also used to like milk glass, mm-hmm. and that was something. And when she when she passed, uh, we really didn't go through the house because my dad was still alive and and he was you know still there so we're not going through any everything stayed the same but when my dad passed and we're going through everything and we had all of these um you know vases and milk glass stuff and whatever and I'm like I don't want any of the milk glass don't want it and I I took a couple of her vases and one had also belonged to my grandmother so I have kind of like it was my grandmother's and my mom's and now it's mine and then this other little um uh, green fetten bowl that was really cute, whatever that I I have, and only recently have I come to appreciate milk glass. Yes, and all of a sudden I'm thinking to myself, oh, you know, my mom had. So now when I'm seeing something, it's like, oh my god, my mom had that, mm-hmm. and isn't that beautiful? You know, and isn't that so? I'm just. And also I have a a cousin of mine who in St. Michael, her thing when she came here and visited and saw milk glass, she's like, oh, my God, I love that. I have a few pieces. I love that. So anytime I would go visit her or she comes here or they back and forth or her children, a little piece of milk glass goes with her because that's what she likes. And all of a sudden now I'm like, hmm, I really want that face (laughs) Like, you know, oh my God, I'm appreciating it more and more. Maria, I had to look up what milk glass was because I, I had never heard of it, but I've seen it. So I'm looking at yes. pictures now. I never knew that that's what it was called. It, it is beautiful, but I it think it's something that grows on you for sure yeah. over time. And now I know what's a Fenton and I know what's a hobnob and I know what's a, I, <laughs> I, I know the patterns already. It's like, uh, yes, I, I am now really, I could be, um, a specialist on milk glass. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so let me ask both of you. Did you either of you have it's a little ceramic barrel that had that sits in a wooden holder and then it has four glasses, small glasses that are also shaped like little barrels. But it, I remember you, seeing that, but I don't have guys, that. I have one and I am I know it came from a from a, a family member. And I have to ask my mother where it came from, but I have one. And it's one of those things where as a kid, you kind of thought it was cool. And then as a teenager, you're like, oh, that's so old. And yeah. I would never put that in my house. And now I love it. I mean, because it's a sentimental thing, you know? Um, yes. But it's so cute. Margaret, we didn't get to ask you this question, but what is your favorite dish? My your favorite dish is your f- uh, carne porca lanchona. Really? Oh, same yeah. as David. Same as David Lates. Yeah. We had favorite dish. It is a restaurant and, you know, it's on the menu. That's what I'm getting. Wow. It's delicious. It is delicious. It is delicious. I mean, how can you not? I mean, really. Now, Um, is there there anything you won't eat? uh, Yes. That was one of the things I learned with my husband is up north. They do have a little bit of, you know, some foods that are, uh, have you heard of papage? But not your papage. Not the papage with the, the flour, Maria. Okay. It's papage is made with pork uh, bl- uh, blood. Oh, no. No. Oh, gosh. Yes. Well, I, sa- I thought I would never eat that. And this last month I was in Portugal and my husband was eating it. And I actually tried it. And it wasn't too bad. I mean, I had a spoonful. I didn't have a bowlful. Just a spoon to taste. And it was okay. I mean, it was all right. So but- is it almost like mursala but without it being in the casing? It's almost like um I don't know how they make it, but it's my, my mother-in-law makes it. And it's almost like a, when you, it's a brown soup, basically thick. And what makes the brown is the blood, right? The yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. But the one thing that she does make that I won't eat is tripush. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> that? No, no, I haven't had it. And yeah, at it- first when we got married, I used to go there. They used to make uh, a horse cabidella. You know what that is? No, I've heard, of, I've heard of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, of the chicken, and then when the chicken's almost finished cooking, you put in a little bit of the chicken blood. Oh, so it's a little okay. brown, right? Yes. And so, you know, I, didn't, I was very thinking about eating that as well. But so, what she would do is she would take out a little bit of chicken and a little bit of white rice for me before she put in. She put in the blood. The blood. Well, you know, the, f- yeah. the whole thing is, is you know very well that when they would do those things, they were thinking it was going to add more strength. Or fortify the meals to make it, you know, better for you stronger. and all of that. Yeah. Exactly, make you stronger. In the same way that yeah. they would always add an egg to everything because, <laughs> you know, they're going to temper an egg in your soup. They're going to temper an egg in your meal. I mean, in your broth. I mean, it's it just, it, that's, that's, that's what it was because you would say, well, why would you do that? Well, it gives you strength. Yeah. And the same thing with papage in the that my grandmother would make, but not the one with, like you said, with blood, but it was with flour. And that's papas grossish. That's, that was with uh, flour. If it was with cornstarch, it would be papafina, which would be a much, you know, thinner and, yes. you know, whatever. That's what my but, mother would make. Cause I think I mentioned that to you once that my mother used to make it with cornstarch. Yes. So it's yeah. papafina. And then they would add, while they were doing that, they would, uh, you know, have a mixed egg tempered in, so obviously it wouldn't become scrambled eggs, but that would be added as well. Because again, you know, God, we must have been weaklings or something that they kept wanting to give us strength. 
So that uh, arroz cabidela, I think that was the dish that um, I, I tried up north. Uh, uh-huh. We have friends that live up there. Is there another dish where they put, it's chicken and rice and they put a little bit of chicken blood. Do you know if there's another dish? No, I think that's it. So it was probably it's it. So I didn't, so my husband will eat a lot more than I do. I, I have to say I'm, I'm a little bit of a picky eater. But in order to get me to try it, he said, you, you're going to really like this because it has chocolate in it. Oh, oh, he's so bad. <laughs> and so, so in front of everybody, you know, he says, just try a little bit. It's got chocolate in it. And so I tried it and he said, what do you think? I said, well, it's not bad, but it doesn't taste like chocolate. And what? that's when he said, well, that's because it's not chocolate. It's blood. But it was, it wasn't too bad. I can, kind of like you, Margaret, I had a couple of spoons, spoonfuls or whatever. Uh, I don't know that it's a whole I could need a big, you know, travessa full of it or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, I, so I, I will always remember that and uh, the brown color of the rice. And but you know, I guess we, you know, it's, it goes to show like, uh, you know, like my mother will eat anything because she was raised with it, right? So if you were raised right. eating that stuff and it was that's not right. a big deal to you, then that's then right. the idea of it doesn't gross you out, <laughs> right? Eat Husband eats everything. Your husband eats everything? Everything, yeah. Uh, now, see, I love Marsala. I, I love a blood sausage. I, I do. I, I really love it. I could have it. I could eat it all the time because it's just, I, I really like it. But it grosses out plenty of people. Oh, sure. Yeah. And when you say, oh, it's, it's blood sausage, they go, what? Like, oh, that's so gross. And it's like, oh, no, it's so good. <laughs> you know? Well, there's so many spices and onions. I mean, there's so much in it that, I mean, well, you don't really Right taste now, at, yeah, at the store where I go to, there's th- three different types of marsalas. There's a marsala that has more rice in it as the filler. There's mm-hmm. another marsala that has more parsley uh, as a filler. And then it has the mureru, which is the one with the meat. There's meat in the marsala. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And so... Personally, my favorite is the one with parsley. That's hands down my favorite. And I, I don't care for the one with the meats in it. To me, it doesn't feel like, because like, again, I didn't grow up with it that way. Mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. that's more continent, if I'm not mistaken. And the one, the, the, is that correct, Margaret? Uh, that would be more continent, yeah, isn't it? Continent with the meat, yes. With the meats, yeah. And But the one sausage that I am in love with right now which it has its um, oh traditions go back to being called uh, the Jewish sausage, which is oh, farinera. No, aljera. Aljera. Yes, aljera. Yes. Yes. Eh, that one. That's Al-Hera. the one. Am I saying <laughs> I it love wrong? Both of them. I just discovered that one as well because I had seen a lot of recipes online in Portuguese for aljera. Yeah. So that and I was like, "What is this? I've never tried it." So I, I finally bought some, and oh, I buy it all the time now. I love Isn't it. Isn't it so amazing? Oh my god, it's yeah. so good. Very garlicky taste, right? Yes, Very yes. Strong. I love yeah. it. I, I love did, it. Love it. With one that was like it, I had had it in the fridge, so it was starting to wilt. Um, I took out the casing. I beat it with two eggs, and I put it on some tarts that I had, like tart shells, little ones. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Cheese on top in the oven. Oh, they were like dying yeah. for more. Now, when you cook your marsala and aljera, all that stuff, do you fry it or how do you cook it? Uh, I fried it. I have barbecued it. Okay. I use aljera in stuffing. Yes, I could see that. <gasps> oh, I bet that's delicious. That's a great idea. Fantastic. 
because it yeah. gives it a really nice flavor. Yeah. Now, I've always uh, fried or grilled kind of thing mm -hmm. until I had um, one of my aunts in St. Michael or whatever who told me they don't fry anymore mm -hmm. uh, because sometimes it makes such a huge mess on Oops. the on the stove top, which it does. I mean, it yes, splatters yes. everywhere. We know that. Yes. And But I thought, well, you know, that's part of the thing. Well, she said, no, you just, um, you put it in the oven at 350 Fahrenheit. I don't know what that would be in Celsius now because she, oh no, I think it's uh, 180. Is it 180 yes, Celsius? Okay. Yeah. Cause I know 180 is 350, I think if I'm not mistaken. And, um, you would take your sausage, your, your marsala, whatever, and you would prick it, you know, mm -hmm. still have to prick it and you put it in the oven for like 20, 30 minutes. Hmm. And you cook it in the oven. Mm. But that's really good. And the very, so it still pops. Because what I love when I fry it, I like the crunchy part yes. of it. Okay. Yeah. That's like always my favorite with like bread to eat that. Oh my God. I love that. So <laughs> so I was, af I was afraid that if I did it in the oven, I wouldn't have the crunchy part. But the crunchy part ends up being the very bottom of the sausage. Right. Okay. Where, where it's on the pan, that part is the crunchy uh -huh. part. But yeah. So if you guys want to do an easy or a faster way of doing it or whatever, or um, no splattering. If you don't have time for splattering, that that's an easy way to do it just right in I your bet oven. You could use, I bet you could do that also in the toaster oven, right? If you didn't want to heat up your oven oven, could you that's try right. the toaster oven? Yeah, I would think yeah. so. Yes, I would think so. Yeah, no, but I, I love that sausage now. And and the, the history behind it is, you know, uh, obviously we had a lot of, um, we do have a lot of Jewish ancestry, um, mm -hmm. being part of who we are being Portuguese. There was a lot of Portuguese Jews. And when they came in and, you know, you had to, oh, what was it? The inquisition there when you yep. had to come in and you had to convert to, uh, Christianity. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, uh, said, you know, they were converting, but they didn't. And, you know, it's all in secret. And one of the things was the sausages and they couldn't have to keep kosher they divide or came up with this sausage that originally had everything but pork. So right. it would have chicken in it. It would have lamb. It, uh, not lamb. I'm sorry. It would have, yeah, it could, it could have had anything but pork in it. Uh, mm -hmm. But I think now they make it with pork. Uh, someone was saying the other day that they make aljera with codfish in it. Oh, really? That's probably really good. Uh, that I want that. I want to try that. <laughs> I have not mm -hmm. seen it yet. I heard I about it. Seen it yeah, so I think the next time we take a look and ask if this there's one made with codfish and it, I want to try it because it sounds amazing. Sounds amazing. Yeah, I think anything made with the bacalhau, the salted cod, is going to be delicious. Yes, I, I think so true. Now, now fresh cod, fresh cod's another story because it's just like a fish, and fish mm -hmm. can be good or bad, right? right. But the salted cod, I just, you know, have yet to have a bad dish. <laughs> now, do you buy the salted cod and desalt it yourself? Like do you Yes. A, a large like you get a big one and or do you buy little pieces and and do it just as you need it? Uh, we can buy either here, we can buy the big, you know, like whole fish and then they'll cut it up for us or yeah, we can same. buy it already packaged and cut yeah, and stuff like that. Same thing, same thing yep. here for Massachusetts, same thing. We can do the same. Mm -hmm. And what's ha happy or lucky for us 
is that there's a lot of Italians in Rhode Island that they also eat bacalhau. So there's a lot of uh, international uh, markets that you can find bacalhau in there, that it just doesn't have to be Portuguese. But right. we can find it by a big, huge piece and have them cut it in pieces for us. Or like uh, Angela said, we can buy small little one, like a little box almost, that like a pound of it comes in it. But stuff, some of that stuff comes from Canada. That comes from yeah. you guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I know that salted cod is produced up in Canada. And, and that's right up there in uh, the quality of codfish as well, of course, Norwegian cod. That's mm-hmm. like number one. I think we've hit every question we, we wanted to ask you. <laughs> I think, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing is, is we just, um, again, we just wanted to let people know how, it, you know, it's the same. I think it comes down to it doesn't matter where we're living uh, whether it's in the United States or as with you, Margaret, in Canada, traditions are being held on. Uh, they're being passed on. And knowing who you are and being Portuguese is still something that will it is in us no matter where we're living. And, and that's important. That's really important. Now, your girls, are they proud to be Portuguese? I mean, obviously, they're Portuguese on both sides of the family. Yes, yes, they are. They're very proud to be Portuguese. Uh, my middle child is actually going to Portugal this summer and taking two of her friends who are not Portuguese. Oh, great. Vacation. Really? Yes, in May. They're going there for three weeks. Good for her. She's going to have a blast. She is going to have a blast. Yeah. Uh, and she'll be the, the tour guide for them through the whole that's thing. Right. That's right. Wow, that's awesome. And now I, I've, I know what I want to ask. So I know in when I was in Toronto, of course, we have the little, Portug- uh, little Portugal that's there with all the restaurants, the shops, the, the bakery. I mean, just everything. And everywhere I went, everyone was talking Portuguese, which was which is amazing. Because, again, here in the United States, you'd go to those places. Their first speaking is English. And then Portuguese comes after. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I really love that fact that I was there and I felt like, I was back in St. Michael. I felt like I was in back there. I, I just, I was like, okay, am I in Canada or am I in Portugal? I have no, you know, because that's how I felt. But with all of that, that includes the the churches, the organizations, the yeah. music, all of that stuff is, is, F, is if you're back in Portugal, is they are all in Canada, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah. I mean, we have lots and lots of organizations organizations that are Portuguese, lots of clubs, churches. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Radio stations, TV stations. Yeah. Everything. And what do you think has really helped to maintain such a strong uh, presence there? You know, cause like, like Maria said, not only, I mean, on the East coast, that's already a lot more than what we have out here, mm-hmm. but um, on, on both coasts, you know, it's slowly, kind of dying out, organizations are consolidating, well, I mean, things I think like the that. Difference between, uh, I mean, I'm generalizing, but I think the difference between Canada and the U.S. is that, like, we're very multicultural in the sense that a lot of groups start up their own organizations. So it's not just the Portuguese. The Italians have their stuff. The Chinese have theirs. And they seem to, even though, you know, everybody assimilates a little bit, 
But yeah. even with schools, you know, the languages are taught in schools. There are still schools in Toronto that teach Portuguese. Uh, when I went to high school, I took Portuguese. I, there was Portuguese and Italian and Spanish at my high school. Wow. Yeah, you're very wow. lucky. We, we didn't, there's very few schools here yeah. that will offer Portuguese. Yeah, and and in for me, you would think that in Massachusetts, the South Coast, we would have had Portuguese language being offered um, sooner than it was. But for me, I had to either take, growing up, I took French. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I was, and that was in grammar school because they offered a second language and we took French. That was what we, we had to take. So my French comes from fifth grade <laughs> French. <laughs> but you guys have a town, you have a town in Massachusetts that just started a Portuguese immersion program in one of yeah. your schools. Well, what's, what's funny is, is even with my oldest daughter, because in high school I took Latin. It wasn't the type of thing where it, Portuguese wasn't even offered if I wanted it. And mm -hmm. then when my oldest daughter was in high school or in, even in, in um, middle school and high school where they offered the second language, it was Spanish. They didn't even offer Portuguese. It wasn't until my twins were born and went through the school system that Portuguese was offered. So, and it's, it's offered now, but it, it's, it's been a while. And it, with the ex like thinking how many of us are here actually living here when um, the representation wasn't there in the language, which is kind of strange. Yeah. It sounds strange now. Yeah. So This has been great. So nice to meet you, Margaret. Oh, and I did want to tell you, because you, again, one of the random facts is that one of your nicknames is Gida. Yes. <laughs> and, um, my husband loves that name. In fact, when we were choosing names for our daughter, he really, 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 really wanted to name her Magrida so that we could call her Gida. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, that's I, actually I was, my real name, little... Margarida. Huh? My real name is Margarida. It's not Margaret. Margaret. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of yeah. figured if that was your nickname. I was just, I was really concerned that here in the U.S. I mean, I don't know how how sophisticated Canadian tongues are, but I'm quite certain everyone here would have called her margarita and yes they would i was just not i was like oh, i don't want to have to correct why people I, time, so. yeah but i yeah. think now now here it's changed but when i was a kid and i came here i was margarita and they would mispronounce it they would misspell it they would spell it with a G, J, uh, sorry g u e r i t a or something at the end they would do all kinds of funny things oh, to it. So, and that's why then I started going by Margaret because it's like, okay, you know. It's just like easier. Confusion. It's just yeah. easy. And now I actually think, you know, I should have stuck with it because now it's here. You, you find that a lot of uh, people are naming their kids very traditional um, names. Yeah, I think we're going in a full circle, folks. Yeah. I really do. Exactly. Yeah, I do. Because whereas, uh, you know, the other day we, we spoke to, like, for example, uh, David Late and his, his thing of coming over or his family coming over and growing up and always not wanting to be Portuguese. You know, he wanted to be, um, you know, something else but Portuguese because, you know, they were looked at a different way or whatever. I never experienced that. That's, that's not what I'm getting at. But when we, the way that we're brought in, you, you had to assimilate right away. That was, that was the key thing. 
and where uh, a lot of people are uh, had to change their names or redo their name because it was um, it made it more Americanized. Um, but now, where uh, like he said, you know, people didn't want to say who they were Portuguese. Now my girls uh, who are in their twenties, my my youngest ones, when they went to school, it was like. Yeah, you're Portuguese. I'm Portuguese. Yeah, I'm Portuguese too. If you weren't Portuguese, you were like, what? You're not Portuguese. <laughs> I mean, like, what do you mean you're not Portuguese? Because it seems like now you're so proud to say you're Portuguese. I don't know. Things are changing. It's, it's, yeah, I, yeah. Can, I can see yeah. that changing it, changing more and more. Um, the not just uh, assimilating, but saying, hey, this is who I am. Yes, I'm American. I am American, but guess what? I'm also Portuguese. Yep. Or yes, I'm Canadian, but guess yes. what? I'm Portuguese. So I love that. Love, love yeah. it. Well, out, out here in California, you know, we are fairly multicultural. So everybody was something. And so, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, well, I'm Portuguese. Yes, of course. So it, it was your way of um, almost gave you your identity, right? Yes. Because yes. It, yeah. it helped you um, have your own, right? Everybody had their own, so I have my own too. So <laughs> I was always very proud. Yeah, we, we've had this conversation. I never had the experience of not being proud or, or being ashamed yeah. of being Portuguese. It was always something that, that we loved and something that we were talking about to a group of, of young Portuguese at a summer camp um, earlier uh, last year was that you know we marched in the parades, so we wore the crowns and everything. And I said, how could you not be proud? You were a queen, Marching in the parade with people <laughs> waving at you. I mean, doesn't every little girl dream about being a queen? You know, you're so, darn right. Or you're princess. darn right. So, so yeah, you're darn right. We yeah. stretch our stuff when we walk down the street. Well, it's funny because I was never a queen. I was never a queen. I was always part of like the um, court, the court, but I was never the queen. Oh, but my my queen. oldest. Yeah. I know, but my oldest daughter reminded me the other day. She's like, "Mom, remember when I was crowned? Like that was like she wasn't the cre- the queen, but she got to be at the end, like um, be all dressed up and was crowned with the cre- with the with the large, huge. She was a tiny little thing, and she had this big crown on her head and whatever. And I'm like, "Oh my God, Erica, you're right. You did." She goes, "I'll never forget that. It's like, oh, oh that's sweet." <laughs> So it's something you you don't forget. You don't forget. Well, Margaret, this has been wonderful. Thank you for talking to us. Thank you. um, And thank you for just explaining and and describing your, um, you know, how it felt being Portuguese in Canada. And you know what it comes down to? It really doesn't matter, does it? We're we're all having the same experiences, aren't we? Yeah. Yes, yes, we are. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it was really great to meet you, Margaret. And best of luck with your page and your blog. And we'll be sure to put all the website um, addresses in, in the show notes so people can find you and follow you. And, great. And uh, great. we'll have to get up to Toronto to come see you. Oh, yeah, yeah. that was fantastic. I am Maybe dying to go back up there that. again this year. <laughs> I'm dying to go back up there again. So uh, Come and so visit my farm. Yes, yes. And I did say... The next time I was up there, we were going to cook together. Yep. I think Thank we you might have much. to do that. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> we can record the next podcast from Margaret's Portuguese table. In her uh, yes! <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I think we'd all have to be there. Right, Scott? You too, right? The sound engineer. He, he'll have to be there too. Sure. 
I'll have one <laughs> made wine. <laughs> yes. Excellent. All right, Margaret. Thank you so much, honey. Thank I hope you, you enjoyed you. yourself. I have. Thank you very much. All right, hon. Bye-bye. 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 Well, wasn't that a great um, show with her? <laughs> She's so sweet. I love yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she is adorable. And I know she was very nervous um, <laughs> <laughs> because I, I've spoken to her in person and she's much more, you know, like, you know, talkative and stuff. And I think she was a little nervous, but that's okay, folks. There's no need to be nervous. We don't bite. Do we, Angela? No. no. It's all fun. This is all fun. Well, I, I hope that um, you all enjoyed hearing what Margaret has to say and her um you know, her story about immigrating into Canada. And really, folks, it's really pretty much the same, isn't it? Yeah. You know what? I actually have to give her kudos because it, it, her how she learned to cook is very non-traditional, right? So her husband yes. taught cook. And then she ended up learning a lot of recipes from her mother-in-law and her husband's family. And, you know, we females can be prideful sometimes, right? <laughs> and so, I mean, I know, I know, Many people who would, you know, how do I say this uh, very diplomatically, um, politely refuse or be stubborn to say, I'm yes. not going to learn from your mother. <laughs> you know yes, absolutely. She seemed very open to it. So I just want to say kudos to her for doing that because yes. she knew it was important to her husband and, and he cooked for her too. So it sounds like it's a win-win yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I, uh, uh, my husband, of course, is, is not Portuguese. He's English Irish. So when I married him, it was a type of thing where, you know, my, my mother-in-law does not really care to cook. Um, she cooks because she has to, but she really doesn't enjoy it. So I wanted to do some of the dishes that he, you know, that he liked, yeah. but there were very few, there were very few. And and the majority of the dishes he liked were really Italian. It was Italian oh, dishes. Funny. How funny is that? <laughs> Isn't that? So when I first uh, married, I was making Italian dishes for my husband to make him happy. Isn't that funny? Well, aren't you a multicultural? I, oh my god! I just <laughs> I wear so many hats. Oh, and the only other thing that I forgot to mention, or if we, we forgot to kind of talk about when Margaret was on, was uh, you know how she was saying about her name and how it's really it's Margarita, not Margaret, yeah. but we change it, you know, Americanize it or Anglo, you know what I mean? We just change yep. it. When we come from there. There are so many people that I know, um, where they're like, not only first names change when, uh, last they names, come yeah. over last names also. My, and uh, my grandparents did that. Mm -hmm. Really? And yeah. it's funny because when you have people who now here in the United States are called white, their last name is white, but really it's Branco. That was the name yeah. of Branco. So yeah. you have some people that are called, you know, Branco and some people that are called whites and, and they're from the same family, but it's just that, you know, they said, well, what does Branco mean? Oh, it means the color, you know, white. white. Okay. Yeah. White it is. Right. So they become whites or uh punt is bridges. Oh yeah. So, so, so there's yeah, a we, lot of people out there who have the pont or the pont or whatever it is. And then there's others that are called bridges because ponts or pont is bridges. So yeah. it's, it's funny how names kind of change. 
There's actually I'll, a website. I'll try and look for it. But there's a website that uh, a gentleman actually did a lot of research into if this is your last name and you know that you're Portuguese, this potentially could have been your original last name, your family's last name. He's got them all listed. I'll try and find it. It's really fascinating. Really? To see. Yeah, it's fascinating to see how the evolution occurred. So on my family, it's not a direct translation, but for example, my paternal grandfather, paternal, paternal, I guess, yeah. My, yeah. my dad's dad's father, yeah, dad's dad. yep. was uh, da Costa Narcisu. And then when they came over, they dropped the Narcisu and, and the da, so it just became Joseph Costa, right? So that's what my maiden name is. And then on the on his mother's side, uh, his grandfather's name was Joseph Pereira. But there was another Joseph Pereira that lived on the same street, and their mail kept getting confused, including like tax documents and everything. <laughs> so he just changed his last name to Perry. So isn't that funny? Yeah. yeah. So that happened, and then there was on my mom's side, uh, the maiden name is Moraes, Moraes, spelled A E S. But then somewhere along the lines, it got changed to A I S. Wow. I'm not quite sure where, but yeah. It's just funny how that happens. It is funny how that happens. You don't expect it that. No. Um, you know, you always think, well, okay, that's my name. No, it's not. And <laughs> there was also nicknames. People had nicknames. Yeah. And from those nicknames, that's what they signed their name or what their family now yeah. is known for, which that's a whole other – that could be a whole other uh, podcast we could do on uh, on Portuguese names, but I mean it really is uh, interesting how it all changes. So, well, here, here's an here's an idea. This is totally off the cuff, random, but let's see if it works. So, call out to our listeners if your family name is a nickname, or you know a story about a nickname in your family, like your great grandfather or something like that. Send it into us, and on the next podcast, we'll read a few stories that could be kind of funny. Yes, that's a great idea. Speaking of that, I mean, I know we have just been having lots of fun with these podcasts and we love, love, love all your feedback. So the more yeah. feedback, the better. So we really appreciate it. Yes, we, we are collecting your feedback. In fact, um, we saw one today on the Facebook page, Mark Sanders. Thank you for commenting. And he said that listening to us was like listening to his in-laws. <laughs> so I saw that. I love that. I love that. I'm going to take it as a compliment. <laughs> I do take it as a compliment because he said, he. well, first of all, he's a smart man. He married a first generation Portuguese woman. So right off the bat, Mark, you're, you're a very smart man. Um, and, uh, but we love that. I saw that too. And I was laughing. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Okay. We're yeah. part of the family. What that yeah. means is we're part of the family, which is a great thing. Thanks, Mark. Well, and we've achieved part of our goal, right? It was we want people to feel like they're sitting at our table and just yes. having a conversation with their friends. So absolutely. So everybody, you know, write your, send your comments in and uh, we may be reading your comments. Yes. Our podcast. Yes, I love it. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, thanks again for listening to us. I think this is coming to an end here. Yeah. Until next time, until everyone. Até a próxima, Maria. Até a próxima, Angela. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks again for listening to our Portuguese Table podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, you can do so on SoundCloud or iTunes. And all episodes can be found on our website at www.ourportuguesetable.com. 
You can also reach us at feedback at ourportuguesetable.com with comments, questions, or suggestions. Até, Até a próxima! próxima.